Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we have something that a few people might call controversial. We're talking about toms. We're talking about deuces. We're talking about $2 bills. I'm Ben. $2 bills rule everything around me, Ben. Mm, right? Yeah. yeah. Cream and some money. Mm-hmm. $2 bills, y'all? No, it's me. No. And of course, we're joined with our super producer, uh, Casey Pegram. <laughs> Casey, I'm laughing because uh, off air, I was wondering if we should give you some kind of currency related nickname for this for this show. How about Casey Greenbacks Pegram? I like that. Yeah, yeah I'm sold. I'm cool with know? that. Ben, you know, I only really recently realized that cream stands for cash rules everything around me. Really? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of that concept, but not just the acronym cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a fan of all of the multitudes of slang words we have made for currency. Sure. Both in the U.S. and abroad. Scratch. Yeah, cheese. Skrilla. Cabbage. Grip. Yeah, there's grip. Uh, a stack, a bill. It's so it's so contextual and so ubiquitous now, and there's such a wide range of slang words that I feel like if you, if you say just a made-up phrase while you're handing someone money— mm-hmm then they will believe that slang for money. So if I, if you and I and Casey were at uh, Dave and Buster's or something. Well, they have their own currency. Oh, crap. Yeah, they beat us to that. Buster Bucks. Buster Bucks, yeah. Mm. Uh, a pale shadow of Ben Bucks from what I hear. Agreed. Object- objectively. Oh, big time. So, but here, like, imagine this. So we're in, um, you know, we're in some place, I don't know, a, a ritzy club or, or something. How about the Ritz-Carlton? There we go, literally. <laughs> ritzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, well done. So we're at the Ritz-Carlton. And uh, if we pay someone at the hotel counter and then we say, well, let me throw a couple pony bones your way, and it's like two $20 bills, they're just going to roll with it. Yeah. And they may later refer to cash as pony bones, which is kind of morbid. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, would, I would maybe be something like, 
Yeah, let me uh, grease your palm with a couple of these sweet Jim Jams. Mm-hmm. Jim Jams. Jim Jams. Why not? I feel like, yeah, I I, I feel like we're, we've established this um, interesting etymology that's still evolving. But today's episode, uh, as we said, is about something a little controversial in the world of U.S. currency, the $2 bill. The deuce. The Tom. Yeah. The Tom? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's one of the that slang one. terms for it. I yeah. love it. I love it. I wanted to ask you at the top here, do you have a lot of experience with $2 bills? Do you have a, like a story or did something happen to you? Well, I, I, all of my life savings are in $2 bills inside of dirty mattresses. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. the truth. And you save money uh, that you would have otherwise had to spend on cleaning the mattresses. So. Well, it's also like, you know, they're super rare, right, Ben? So, I mean, they're going to one day be worth well more than $2 a piece, my man. Am I right? <laughs> Sure, they're worth their weight of in saffron and uh, gold and pony bones. Diamond dust. <laughs> yeah. But no, that is a common misconception, though, right, that $2 bills are rare and you should hang on to them, um, which is kind of a funny little conundrum that we'll get into a little later. But why don't we start off with sort of the broad strokes? Um, what's the history of the deuce? Excellent, excellent point to begin. Uh, The deuce or the tom first comes to the United States. uh, It's first printed, that is, in 1862. Before that time, uh, the states would allow banks to print their own currency, and that was pretty problematic. There's a good illustration of it in this documentary you and I watched called the $2 Bill documentary. The $2 Bill documentary, a burst of creativity. Right. Sorry, not to try to be a dick to the filmmakers. It's very, very good, but... Come on, guys. Right. Uh, That's by a writer and director, John Bernardo. And in there, they have some experts explain how the the problem with bank-issued currency is that the further away you are from the bank physically, the less likely other institutions are to accept it at full face value. They call them broken banknotes. Right, Right. yeah. So like a bank in Florida prints out a a $2 bill or $5 bill, it doesn't matter, a bank in Maine might say, we'll give you 50 cents for it. That's really funny. Or they might also just be like, get this trash out of my face. Yeah, get this this get this get Florida rag out of here. Well, it's sort of the same idea as, you know, trading in, in items. Like if, you know, like I say a shell or, a, or some sort of, you know, carved wooden piece is worth something, and then I take it to some other community and they disagree. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Well, that's the thing. And this is interesting, too, because if the bank that issued the note folded, it would become an obsolete note and become absolutely worthless. Right. But, you know, it takes time for word to travel, right? So mm-hmm. it could even be um, weeks or months before someone farther away even found out that the bank had closed, and they might still give you, you know, 50% of and you its ha- worth. Yes, yeah, so it's time-dependent. It's not, it's not very sustainable. This changes, hopefully, for the United States in 1862 in March when they issue currency. They issue $1 bills and they issue $2 bills. And spoiler alert, $2 bills are the hot business. People in that time made an average of around $15 a month. Interesting. So if you have $2 mm. and you're paying, you're throwing down twos, that's going to be my new slang. Yeah. Throwing, throwing down, down twos. Throwing down twos, dropping deuces. Uh-huh. Wait, that means something oh, different. Yeah, wait, no. That means, yeah. I think someone beat us to that one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but here, the, the reason that they um, changed this game up is because they needed to finance the war. 
right? The mm-hmm. Civil War, that is. The Confederacy actually had a little forethought and they issued their own currency. But the Union tried to borrow its way through the war at rapacious interest rates, right? Yeah. So in response, the U.S. passed these three legal tender acts that resulted in the issuing of, I believe, in the neighborhood of 450 mil in uh, legal tender, mm-hmm. which means what, Ben? What is legal tender? So legal tender or legal tender note, you we might be more familiar with it through the slang name greenbacks, which is way cooler and sexier than legal tender. Uh, these were replacements for what were called demand notes or earlier greenbacks. And essentially, they were a form of fiat currency. Legal tender means that they can be used for any debt, for like a, a public debt. Perhaps the union would face due to the atrocious interest rates in the war or a private debt, except that I think they had an uh, they have one exception. Let's see. Ah, yes. This note is a legal tender for all debts, public and private, except duties on imports and interest on the public debt and is redeemable in payment of all loans made to the United States. It's an IOU. Oh, my gosh. Now, I thought fiat currency meant that it was uh, backed by just faith in the government. Yeah, the fiat currency means that it's backed by the institution, institutional belief. So there are other things that will come along called silver certificates. That's right. Not only that, there were notes backed by coin. There mm-hmm. were those silver certificates. There were Federal Reserve notes, and there were national bank notes. So you can find uh, in various – Various places online, you can find a picture of earlier currencies. We should caveat our our timeline here because we said 1862 in March, that's when we have the first wide-scale printing of the $2 bills. There were other private entities like banks printing things prior to that. Uh, there were also other $2 bills before then, but they were they were much smaller in scope and distribution because by the time the U.S. broke with England, or by the time, excuse me, the American colonies at that point broke with England, they had been putting out paper currency for nearly a century, but they didn't, um, like continental currency existed, but they still hadn't gotten the formula quite right or worked out the process. And you can see in the National Museum of American History, you can see examples of this older currency, and it just looks piss poor. Oh, dude, it looks like something you'd find in a pirate wreck. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And no, I, I see now, too, Ben, I have this note that um, they issued 49,000 $2 bills, um, and that was uh, for, quote, bills of credit for the defense of America. It wasn't until almost a century later, on July 11th of 1862, that Congress decided to make that $2 denomination part of the nation's legal tender, as we discussed earlier. So I think we're up to date with the $2 bill. Let's talk a little bit about a rivalry. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. A little beef. Yeah. Uh, Two prominent founding fathers were uh, what I like to call beefed up for a a long time. They had this rivalry. Let's do a slow buildup to those beefed up rivals and explore what this bill actually looked like. Yeah, and also like whose faces appeared, which will lead us to the the beef in question. Um, So 
these bills and all American legal tender use a process that's called intaglio printing. Yeah, uh, which fascinating. is it's really really cool. It's like the opposite of relief printing, mm-hmm. um, which means that it's got these fine lines, these etch deep etchings um, in these plates, and the designs are cut or scratched into these plates, uh, and they can be copper or zinc or aluminum or plastic or magnesium or even like coated paper, and the ink is rubbed into these grooves, and then the paper is placed on top of it, and it requires great amounts of pressure to get that to take. Yes. And you end up with this really beautiful, fine, kind of embossed look. And I think it takes 72 hours to do each side, at least here in the modern day. Because of the drying. Right, because there's so much ink on the $2 bill. If you look at either side of it, the, the printing, which is beautiful, is very detailed. Also, the coolest part is uh, if you get a chance, go online and watch the engravers making the plates. What a weird, rarefied job. It's pretty cool, too. You see them with those, uh, what do you call that, a loop, like a jeweler's loop, a little uh, monocle-looking thing where they're examining them to make sure they're perfect. And each plate has a a specific code that ends up on the front and back of the note and can even tell you, like, where it was printed. And the thing about the two— is that it actually has some of the most ornate intaglio printing of any U.S. note. Mm. Um, and that's because the back of it has a very large scene in the middle, much much more elaborate than, than some other bills that we're used to. Yeah, a lot of people think that the, the back end, for lack of a better phrase, of the $2 bill is the signing of the Declaration of Independence. However... We are going to give you a gift, friends and neighbors. Now you will be armed with a small bit of trivia for your next uh, soiree. Let's just call it truth, man. Let's drop some knowledge, some truth. It's time for uh, $2 worth of truth bombs here, folks. It is not actually called the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, it's just the Declaration of Independence. And it's a, uh, a painting by John Turnbull, and it just depicts the presentation of the signed document to the Continental Committee, of which Thomas Jefferson was a member. And I don't have the exact names, um, but some of the lesser players, I think there were like 42 people yeah. uh, pictured in this. Um, they had to do a redone version of this for the bill so that they could actually fit it all into that little picture hole. That's what I'm calling it. That's the, uh, <laughs> the picture hole. Um, you call it the frame, maybe? They kind of <laughs> cropped out some dudes that they felt were superfluous. And the fact that I don't know their names is pr- Probably speaks volumes. You can find, of course, a list of the names. It's not too far out there to say many of those names would be unfamiliar to the average, you know, U.S. kid today. But there are so many. We aren't we aren't going to go through the whole list. That would be uh, <clears throat> wait for it. Ridiculous. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got there. I see what you did. There. <laughs> but. You know, Ben Franklin's there, Thomas Jefferson, as as you mentioned, Noel. Uh, Also, George Clinton is there. Like of Parliament Funkadelic? Yep, he's in the back. Mm. No, no, not not that George Clinton. Unfortunately, uh, he is— He is a time traveler (laughs) of of funk. (laughs) But you can see the entire list of these people. The reason we're bringing this up is because if you look at the detail— of this engraving, you can see how this this separates a $2 bill in terms of sophistication from many other examples of U.S. currency. And one of the things that caught in our minds was, I, I don't know if you had ever heard this growing up, 
but people had told me in the past that $2 bills were bad luck. You had mentioned that earlier, Ben, but I had not heard that. Um, Does that mean I should stop sleeping on my mattresses full of $2 bills? I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it works. Bad luck or no, they're incredibly comfortable. Well, of course, it's a comfortable mattress and a good night's sleep. The $2 bill, like all U.S. currency, is printed on very high-quality paper, but it may even be a mistake to call it uh, paper. Yeah. It's actually a fine blend of 75% cotton and 25% linen. In fact, some of my hoarded $2 bills I have sewn together into a delightful sheet set. Oh, that's cool. Uh, You could also make a cape. That would be awesome. A poncho? (laughs) Perhaps, perhaps. No, no, not both. You can't wear them at the same time. That feels no, that weird. would be tacky. People wouldn't take you as seriously. A poncho and a cape? People would be like, that guy needs to be more definitive in his decisions. Well, a poncho is kind of just like a... A, a cape a, all a around li- you. A light cape. You know, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be extreme to wear a poncho and <laughs> a cape. Do you think anybody has front capes? Oh, yeah, aprons. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yep. Yep. Moving on, yeah, this, this stuff, it's got a surprising amount of cotton in it, which helps with the durability because... When we think about it, if you had typical printing paper and stuff was printed on there, it would be easier to counterfeit, but it would be much more vulnerable to wear and tear. And that's a whole big part of the processes they use to make these um, bills is to make them hard to uh, duplicate. Um, In fact, there's a whole nother step in the printing process where all of those little stamps and Mm -hmm. seals, those are all done in a separate, completely separate layer. So it's like a different set of ink and it's just, you know, it's very, very difficult to successfully counterfeit. And did you know, yeah. And did you know that one company supplies all of the paper it's a place called the Crane Company. I did not know that, but it makes sense, right? If you could just get it anywhere, that'd be no good. I know, but talk about a great business model, too. Those guys are set. Yeah, and in the film that we're talking about, the documentary about the $2 bill, it shows this process, and the the folks that craft and maintain these plates, they're really, like, you know, artisans. I mean, it really is a very high precision skill to be able to work with these. I mean, you're, like I said, they are doing a lot of it by hand, mm-hmm. and it's very intricate form of printmaking, essentially. You right. Know? And this process has proven to be beneficial for the U.S. And a lot of other countries have modeled some behaviors off of this. Uh, but I want to get back to it. I don't want to get lost in the conversation. Have without, we lost the beef? Well, we lost the uh, bad luck. Oh, the bad luck and then the beef. Because I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So a lot of us have heard that the $2 bill is associated with bad luck. And the question is, why? Because, as it turns out, it is not associated with any specific tragic event or a murder. And yes, the 42 people that are in the in the Trumbull painting, or engraving rather, uh, are all dead. But that's just because that's what happens <laughs> to people. That's just the way of the old white dude. It was not unusual. No. Uh, and we have to dig into a little bit of speculation to find where this superstition occurred. Superstition is the correct word. It's kind of like four-leaf clovers being lucky. Yeah. You know? Uh, So $2 bills were tied to brothels early in the 20th century. Ooh. You could uh, use a $2... And it kind of continues, but... You could use a $2 bill for a... um, Well, we're a family show. Maybe the best way to put it is a... a, uh, a very quick experience. Oh. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Not the premium treatment, whatever that was. Also, $2 used to be a standard betting price point in horse races. That is pretty cool, man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop this now just because it's neat and, and associated with what you're saying. Yeah. But there's a story um, in the modern day of $2 bills being associated with not brothels, but uh, strip clubs. Gentlemen's clubs. I think we talked about this on a previous episode that Oregon, Portland, in fact, yeah. has the highest number of strip clubs like per capita or something like that. Which is still so amazing. You know, I learned that from my Uber driver. When you were visiting. Yeah. yeah. And that, you, you, you mentioned that, and that kind of blew my mind. I was not expecting it. But um, as it turns out, there's one strip club in particular mm. called Club Diablo, um, where the proprietor thought it would be really clever to um, get a whole bunch of $2 bills, because you can get them. Oh, easily. You just get them. You can get them today. Get them at the bank. Um, and stain them in red ink to make them look like they were blood stained. And then he would give them out as change as kind of a gimmick in his uh, establishment. But it turns out that they ended up circulating all over town mm-hmm. and people stopped taking them. Oh, and yeah. It, and it became an issue. It's like shame money. It's, it's a sh- scarlet letter, exactly. but a $2 bill. And word got back that it was all as a result of, of this this uh, strip club impresario's little gimmick, which was meant to connect uh, his place with the vampire film From Dust Till Dawn by Robert Rodriguez and with Quentin Tarantino <laughs> in it, where there is like a strip club, you know, uh, populated by uh, blood-sucking vampire ladies. Um, and he actually got the law on him pretty hard. The CIA um, was investigating him, and the FBI actually came to the bar, and you know what? That wasn't enough to spook him. This this guy, by the way, has an amazing strip clubby name of, of Johnny Zuckel. Johnny Zuckel. That's pretty good. You got to say it with a little bit of rasp in your voice. Johnny Zuckel. Johnny Zuckel. He, he was not uh, shaken. Um, it wasn't until, you know, things started to escalate that he finally backed down. Um, but just wanted to drop that in there because yeah. I think that's a, that ties in with what you were saying. But let's go back, back to the backpack. Back to the beef. Back to the backy, back to the beef. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer, yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Let's see who's beefed up. So we mentioned that in terms of, of bad luck, the superstition probably originates more from people's perception of what the money was used for. And as Noel point out, that's still around a little bit today. Uh, but it's not associated with a tragedy. We did a little bit of foreshadowing. We mentioned the people on the back of the bill. But let's pay off the foreshadowing now. Who are the people on the front? Because they change over time. Well, remember when we were talking about those um, early versions of, of currency, when all of the um, regions, I guess, or smaller areas could have their own, there were in those days around a thousand completely unique $2 bills just floating around. Um, and we mentioned what a problem that was. Then enter the Civil War. We now have legal tender. And the first $2 bill that's officially issued has Alexander Hamilton? Alexander Hamilton? Alexander Hamilton. Like the uh, the guy from uh, both the musical and also, fun fact, a real-life founding father of the United States. It's very true. He, along with his uh, nemesis, I don't know if that's fair. We're probably creating a bit of a false narrative there. But no, no, they had issues. They definitely had issues. Yeah. Hamilton and Jefferson, uh, both founding fathers, they had very different ideas of what the government should be. Hamilton's Federalist Party wanted to centralize the government, um, wanted to represent the interests of trade, manufacturing, big city, you know, cosmopolitan ideas, thought these were forces that would be crucial for progress mm -hmm. in this new society. Strong central government, strong central currency, public debt, he didn't like radicals, didn't want them, didn't trust them, and he wanted to maintain good relationships with England because they would be a trading partner, you know? Right. And Hamilton's economic plan for the nation included making a bank, yeah. a national bank like uh, the kind that existed in England for the purpose of maintaining public credit. One of the very controversial things that he proposed at the time was to consolidate states' debts. That's right. And Jefferson and uh, his faction, the Republicans, also known as the Republican Democrats at times, Republican-Democrats. Wow, that's confusing. It's a weird one. This faction took the position uh, that, let's say, Virginia should not be responsible for debts accrued by New York. 
So it's a very almost isolationist states rights kind mm-hmm. of vibe. Federalist, anti-federalist, yeah. Exactly. And if Hamilton is the city mouse, Jefferson is the country mouse because the Republican Party wanted to mainly take care of agriculture and agrarian, have an agrarian society, did not trust bankers, unconcerned with manufacturing and commerce. Mm-hmm. Again, like you said, Ben, all about these states' rights, self-sufficient communities. Um, there's a great quote where he said, I am not a friend to a very energetic government. <laughs> right, right. So this is weird now because originally it is Alexander Hamilton on that first $2 bill. And that was because, of course, he got his way. He was the Secretary of the Treasury. He got that national bank that was established in February of 1791. And then a little time goes by, 1862 rolls around, that two, that deuce comes out. Uh, We got old Alex Hamilton's face on the front because, like you say, he was the Secretary of the Treasury. And I guess maybe... I don't know. Do you think he wanted it? Do you think he pushed for it? Do you think he cared? I don't know. Hard to say. You know, you have to wonder, is it awkward to bring that up in conversation to be the person who says, you know what would what would be a great portrait, guys, because we're doing portraits for these for these dollars? Uh, I'm a secretary of the Treasury, so I, I think like we could do an eagle, but we should we should probably do me. That just seems very weird. And there's something Kanye Westish about it. You know, Kanye West is talking about uh is it dragon power these days or eagle eagle power? Eagle power. It should be eagle power. It's dragon power, I think. It's dragon energy. Dragon energy. Thank you. That's been Casey on the case. And you may be asking yourself the question we asked ourselves out off air. Uh, are dragon energy and tiger blood related? Did they play some sort of role in the publication of $2 bill? Uh, that is currently lost to history. But write in if you have any ideas. You know what else is lost to history? What's that? Why did Jefferson swoop in? And knock his old nemesis Hamilton off of the bill. Yeah, in 1869, just a few years later, Thomas Jefferson's portrait replaces Hamilton and it's used on the $2 note for the first time and it's been used ever since. But what I'm saying is no one, I have not found any sources saying why this happened. Why did Hamilton fall out of favor? Right, and there's, there's a really cool part in this documentary where in one of the historians explains uh, when when asked about all these different portraits that are on various forms of currency in the U.S., he says that the history is largely unwritten and many times the best thing historians can say is just that it is ultimately up to the secretary of the treasury to decide. So Alexander Hamilton uh, is no dies. In 1795. So he certainly had no say, neither did Thomas Jefferson. Maybe our best bet is to ask ourselves who the Secretary of the Treasury was in 1869 when that picture change occurs. That's Hugh McCullough from Indiana, the uh, 27th Secretary. Maybe he was beefed up with Hamilton too and just wanted to, you know, give his legacy a good thrashing. Perhaps, perhaps. Oh, and let me amend uh, that same year. Uh, McCullough was replaced by George S. Boutwell, who also may have been beefed up with Hamilton. Very volatile times <laughs> in the Secretary of the Treasury. Um, and Ben, like you said earlier, these bills were popular um, because of the the nature of, of wages and the two – sort of a two would be like the way we might drop a hundo today. Right. You know, to really throw our, throw our weight around. And there was also 
the gold panic in 1869. That's right. So maybe those events, those events tied into it. So we should probably do an episode on some of those catastrophic financial disasters that occurred in the 1800s that remain relatively obscure today. You know, I love anything with panic in it. Gold panic. Satanic panic. Satanic panic. Panic at the disco. Manic panic. Remember that hair dye? Hair dye? Yeah, yeah. Those skate shops back in the day? Back at Gadzooks. Did you ever dye your hair bright pink or red? Did you ever have a... No. Uh, you never went through a phase like that? Nope. Our, uh, our co-worker and um, compatriot, Holly Fry, uh, gave, brought me some silver hair dye today because mm-hmm. I have this really dope silver sh- gray streak in my hair. Mm-hmm. I, I characterize it as being dope because I'm just a fan. It's just in just the right place. People think that I did it on purpose, but I didn't. But Holly's like, you know what? You need to really take that up a notch and just make it, like, shiny silver. Like, I thought she was joking. Like Rogue yeah. in the— uh, mm-hmm. so, Oh, wait. Silver, not white. Silver, so not white. Not so she Totally like Rogue yeah. in X-Men. But she presented me with a tube of hair stuff. So maybe— Congratulations, Hey, thanks, man. man. Yeah. And you're you're going to drop it in? You're going to uh, do man. it over the weekend? I don't want to hurt Holly's feelings. Does it wash out or is it a permanent one? I, it, it, it looks permanent. It looks so it's like, a commitment. Mm-hmm, it's a real commitment. Maybe try some uh, some of that washout dye first, see how you feel. Get some know. of the, the theater stuff that you just spray in your I hair. Was just, I was just sort of like, Holly, I don't think I'm, I'm not lacking. I'm good with this. I, she's like, no, it can be better. You can take it up a notch. But anyway, we digress. Best of intentions. Always. No, Holly's the best. So, uh, so yes, uh, panics aside and motivations somewhat unknown or murky, uh, the fact remains that Thomas Jefferson replaced Alexander Hamilton on the $2 bill in 1869. And the fact also remains that over time, a good bit of time, the two sort of fell out of favor. Yeah. Yeah, and it had lower printing numbers starting in about the 1950s. And this is what led to, for a time, the $2 bill becoming the rarest current denomination of U.S. currency. And people started to hoard $2 bills. But as a result, this decreased the circulation even more. That's right. There's a really great Mental Floss article about the curious case of the $2 bill. And they talk about the idea of the $2 bill sort of being surrounded by circular logic. One of those notions being that no one uses them because no one uses them. Right. Yeah. So (laughs) they're not printed because people are disinclined to use them, but people are disinclined to use them because they're not printed very often. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're always something worth commenting on. They're Many people find them to be remarkable in some way or memorable, which is why at a uh, modern day uh, gentlemen's club, gentlemen's parlor, mm-hmm. uh, gen- gentlemen's lobby. I'm just thinking of different it's words a, for it's buildings. A, it's a lounge. There we go. There we go. Uh, in this article by Hannah Kieser, we do see that this logic works against at least the the prevalence of the two dollar bill. Uh, even if it does help its popularity. And this eventually leads to the federal mint just throwing up their hands and saying no more, right? Yeah, it was in 1966 that they decided to discontinue this particular denomination of currency. Um, So it stayed entirely out of production, out of print, for 10 years. Yeah, and the economic review said that they were pulling this because people weren't using it. You know why? Just people were hoarding them mm-hmm. in their houses. It's true. But then one fateful day, April 13th, the spring day, 
mm-hmm. of 1976. Oh, the bicentennial. That's right. The $2 bill was issued once again for the first time in a decade. Um, and it was announced uh, by President Nixon. Nixon, the $2 bill is back, baby. Well, what is that? I that think, wasn't we're, I think Nixon. we get there. We, that, we, was, yeah, that was yeah, crazy yeah. Nixon. Uh, like ra- wrestler Nixon. He's kind of tough to say $2 bill. $2 bill. I see you, you see you really so, you've got the cadence. You've got the the, the, the tone more. I think we we've got a <laughs> you and I have some practice ahead of us. I think if we combined our impressions we'd be pretty close to the mark. But you've got the bark down. Sort of Voltron the Nixon. Mm-hmm. No, don't you've got the, yourself up. You've got the bark and the quaver down. So <laughs> so we uh we have some a montage ahead of us, you and I, mm-hmm. off air when we when we get Nixoned up. Yeah, we're going to have a Nixon off. Yeah, we heard your emails. Uh, at first, we thought you were joking, but I don't think people are joking, Noel. I think they want us to do a full, to go full Nixon. Well, I think if we're going to do that, Ben, it probably has to be a bonus episode just for the super fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to alienate all was, you normies out there. I was you know? thinking about that. Someone when someone tunes in for the first time, and they're they're like, "Who are these car- friends and neighbors? <laughs> Cartoonish Welcome to ridiculous. Even the sound effect has to be in a Nixon voice. Everything must be Nixon. We could get the Nixon filter we've been talking about so much on our vision board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so. Nixon announces this, and there's a little bit of finger-wagging from a New York Times article about the reintroduction where they say— Ooh, dish it, Ben. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't read this one. Where they say public reluctance to accept and use the $2 bill was the principal cause of its discontinuance nine years ago, and the main reason for that reluctance was the relative scarcity of the note in circulation. So to me, that comes off like the tone of it is, okay, kids— America, do better this time. You can have it back, but remember what happened. Like you're, they're give, like yeah. you're giving a kid a toy back. Here's the thing, though. America did not play nice, and there was a functional reason beyond just a delightful little bicentennial gimmick for releasing this. They needed there was a gas shortage, I mm-hmm. believe, yeah. and they needed to release a certain value amount of currency, but not. They didn't want to print as many ones, so they were able to print like half as many twos. And I'm no economist, but <laughs> I guess that's what you do. Yeah. What, so what is this going to accomplish, Ben, is my question to you. Well, it's going to give you more bang for your buck, mm-hmm. about twice as much yep. in terms of printing cost. Exactly twice as much. <laughs> exactly twice as much. Also not an economist, we should note. Uh, but this this gives an injection of cash into a an economy that is um in dire need it's true and it it did create well, it didn't create it just was scarce because it hadn't been in circulation for 10 years so you know i guess they they i don't know how they introduce currency they must do it a little at a time obviously you know over a large area i think it's a t-shirt cannon okay that'd be cool <laughs> i think it's <laughs> Man, I'd be like sort of like Joker in Batman uh, with yeah. like trust, you know, and yeah. he's he's got the the gas and the, the balloons and all that. Be, that's, that'd be cool. That's probably the most efficient way to do it. Again, have a bicentennial parade. Yeah, again, we're not economists, no. but we would be great at this parade. Man, it's and and now though you're right, people didn't play nice because they started to see this 
as as much of a collectible as it was a functional piece of currency. Exactly. So people didn't spend it. No, they like went to the post office and got a stamp to show the date that they got it. And like then a, a notary type stamp? Like a postage stamp and yeah. a rubber cancellation stamp, and it made it seem like a keepsake. Interesting. See, it sort of to me sounds like when they released those fancy commemorative coins and a lot of I – mean, I wonder if that creates a circulation problem with quarters. Probably not. I don't know. They made a bunch of, they made a bunch uh, of quarters. Those. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but again, doesn't quite accomplish what they were after, but they don't pull it again. There's still $2 bills in circulation. I don't think they print them particularly often. They certainly print them less often than – you know, the standard yeah. denominations that we're used to. I don't have an exact figure on that. I believe, for, again, from the uh, excellent documentary that we checked out by John Bernardo, I believe that one of the experts at the Federal Mint says that since 1956, there have only been nine printings of the two. They're so cool about it. They don't call, they don't call it a $2 bill. They call it the two. The two. Which makes it sound so classy. Dude, so, I learned yeah. a new word. What today is it? Too. I think you probably know this one, mm. but um, numismatics. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Or a, or a numismatist, a collector and enthusiast of currency and coins. It's true. And they have an awesome. Uh, they have an awesome convention in Florida with an acronym that I don't have to ask. I already know you and I both love it. It is the Florida United Numismatists convention or mm -hmm. fun baby <laughs> sounds like a barrel of laughs to me oh god i hope they are as proud of that as i am oh man yeah no it's good you should be proud and they should be proud that you're so proud of them but here's the thing there's a lot of misconceptions even today about the two dollar bill mm -hmm. um, people still think they're scarce and while it may be scarce compared to other uh, denominations, there are over one billion $2 bills in circulation today. Right, right. You can, as as we mentioned earlier, you can go to a bank and specifically request a large amount of $2 bills. And it turns out that you probably wouldn't be the first person to do that because $2 bills in in recent years, especially post, you know, the, the reintroduction of the bill, uh, they have become signs of protest. Right. Not not just this is this is different from the gentleman's lounge throwing red paint on stuff as more of a marketing ploy, I mm -hmm. guess. Right. Yeah, I agree. But but you and I and our researcher, Christopher Hasiotis, found some really cool examples of two dollar bills being used as a protest. Right. Did you hear the one from the mid 80s um, around an event called Black Dollar Days? Black Dollar Days. No, school me. Lay, lay yeah. it on me, bro. Well, the NAACP had this event that they uh, dubbed Black Dollar Days that was from September 2nd through the 9th of 1985, where in order to show the spending power, the massive spending power oh, yes, yes. of the okay. African-American yeah. community, I remember what they do? They urged, uh, they urged black consumers in 29 cities across the country to only spend $2 bills and $1 Susan B. Anthony coins to demonstrate how much economic heft they had. With uh, Raymond Johnson Jr., the president of the NAACP's L.A. chapter, saying that blacks spent well over $100 billion on goods and services from non-minority firms in 1984. And yet the corporations 
purchase less than 1% of that amount from black vendors. Um, he's saying we're not asking for anything except our fair share. So in using those $2 bills and those Susan B's, um, they collected somewhere in the neighborhood of $5 million in purchases uh, in, in that, that, that very short span of time. And that's that's a noble one. You know, that's something I think everybody can really get behind because that's a way to speak truth to power. You know, vote with your vote with your purchasing ability. As heartless as it sounds, that makes a difference to corporations. They're not the only people protesting either. Uh, We found a case where nudist did something very similar. I did not see this one, Ben, please. (laughs) So in Land Lakes, Florida. uh, Is that where they make the butter? I, you know, it should be, but I think they just didn't check the list of cities that already existed when they named it Lander Lakes. Do the nudists cover their bodies in butter? Uh, you know what? Statistically, probably at least one of them has. It's like you can use it as like a sun tanning uh, solution. I thought that was dangerous. Doesn't it? Eh, whatever, man. <laughs> you, you, you just live your life. Tell we're, me about the, the, the butter town. We're here for a good time, not a long time, right? Uh, yeah, so these nudists in Lander Lakes, Florida, central Florida— launched a campaign where they decided to also buy everything with $2 bills to show the local merchants uh, how much of an impact they make. And this was— Just nudists in general? This, is, uh, this specific community? This is the nudist dollar. It, yeah, it was, uh, it was an idea created or proposed by Chuck Foster, who runs the Caliente Resort. I thought you'd like that name. That sounds spicy. Um, And, you know, uh, in a uh, stunning turn of events, I feel like we're going from most culturally valuable to least. least. Maybe, well, actually, I don't know. I would maybe flip yours with with the one I'm about to talk about. Maybe. Tell me what you think. All right, Um, yeah. There's a local organization in Alger County in Michigan um, that decided to mount a statewide effort uh, to show their support of medical cannabis and push for a bigger, more widespread adoption of legalization in the state. And that was back in 2008. And if I'm – correct me if I'm wrong. Has Michigan gone legal? So many places, it seems, are are changing that quickly. I think it's up for – it's up for political debate. Uh, marijuana legalization may be on their November ballot. Oh, you know what, though? But they do have medical cannabis. Okay. That is on the books. Okay. In 2008, this was not on the books. This is what they were pushing for. Can't necessarily credit the $2 scheme for making that happen, but it certainly um, did a good job of showing lawmakers something that's very important with these cases often is that people spend money. Mm-hmm. People who pe- – nudists – Spend money. Sure. African-Americans spend money. Sure. Weed heads spend money. And everybody spends money and everybody should be treated fairly. We saw another example where gay rights advocates took the same approach using $2 bills. And this was this was a reaction to the Proposition 8 initiative in Ugh. California. Remember that? That was a rough one, yeah. Yeah, and so they did uh, some stuff that I thought it was really cool. There were people protesting by uh, calling in gay, quote-unquote gay, to work. Sure. And they did the same thing as the NAACP did with $2 bills, and they were transparent uh, in citing 
the NAACP's earlier work. Oh, that's cool. Credit where credit is due. Yeah, and this article from AOL by Jason Cochran um, titled Gay Rights Advocates Ponder Best Way to Flex Their Economic Power, they decided that this $2 bill method, which if I wasn't clear, that's also what the what the pot people did, um, was decide they would spend only $2 bills to show their economic impact directly to the community because, you know, shopkeepers and banks and you count the $2 bills that you got, you can see where the impact is coming from and you know who spent those. But that with the whole calling in gay to work thing, a lot of uh, members of the community – didn't think that was a very focused effort and it seemed kind of counterproductive uh, and it didn't really hit the way they wanted to, which was to show their actual spending power, mm. which has been estimated in America um, that the gay community contributes something like $700 billion to the economy. Wow. And I believe this also happened in 2008, didn't it? It's the same, same year as the Michigan protest. Right you are, my friend. What, what a time. What were what were we doing? I don't think I even had any two dollar bills in '08. Well, I still had my mattresses. Are you all, yeah, I was probably napping on them at the time. But I count those more as furniture for you than like maybe emergency currency, maybe. But it better be a real emergency. I like to think of it more as immersion currency because I just I just roll around in it, man. Yeah, feels good. <laughs> and also, we want to be clear that. Uh, Despite dirty mattress jokes, Noel does wash his currency. I uh, won't want to scare anybody by letting you know just how many uh, really gross statistics are out there about paper money. You're saying I launder my money? I'm saying you literally launder your money in well, the best possible way. I will say this. When I'm not sleeping on my stack of $2 bill-filled mattresses, uh, I sleep <laughs> on a Casper, baby. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. Yes, Casper mattresses. Objectively great mattresses. Very nice. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel. Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising, one with smaller ships, 
bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So there's something that just occurred to me as we were talking about this protest. One of the reasons that $2 bills might also be a great way of showing uh, your community or your group's economic weight is because there's no uh there's no drawer space for a two dollar bill in the typical cash register i forgot that point entirely ben it's very true it's another reason that it's probably never taken off it's clearly never been fully embraced by the uh, economic community by big cash register big registers (laughs) yeah and here's the thing too ben um even today you'll hear lots of stories about people just being very confused about this this currency, this this denomination. In fact, there's a story about a guy who, um, in his own kind of little protest, mm-hmm. a little more of a mini protest, Best Buy apparently refused to install his son's car stereo for the uh, the gratis price they had pr- promised him. Yeah. And they said, okay, no, actually you have to pay for it. We're going to call the cops if you don't come in. Um, this guy's name was Mike Ballesta and this was reported by the Baltimore Sun. The 57-year-old Mike Ballesta uh, found himself in lockup. Um, he actually was handcuffed to a pole for three hours after he decided to give Best Buy the old middle fingy and pay with all twos. Because the person he tried to pay first didn't recognize this. She went to get the manager. The manager said, these are counterfeit. I've already called the police. Yep. And I believe he said the cop was, he throws in that the cop was young as well. Sure. Yeah, he was young. And they kept him t- handcuffed to this pole until they can get the damn secret service to show up. Can you imagine if you were that secret service agent, how annoyed you would be to be called out to a Best Buy? It's crazy. I, I think a lot of people... Uh, are, they were probably in the lockup at the time, but you get my meaning. <laughs> I think a lot of people aren't aware that the secret service uh, is the organization that supervises counterfeiting. It's true because under federal law, anyone, anyone who intentionally uses counterfeit money can get up to 20 years in the clink, and is also subject to a fine. A steep fine, I imagine. Right, I would imagine so. And this uh, this has always been a, um, a fascinating thing to us, the, the idea that the Secret Service of all groups has that specific task. Because one would reasonably assume it would be the FBI or... Well, they can get involved too. They can. They can get involved too, but specifically with counterfeiting. So that's like why in our earlier examples, the FBI got called. That's right. But in this example, the Secret Service, I, you know what? We should, we should write to some Secret Service folks, see if we can, we can talk to them about this. I don't want to get in that system, man. I don't want to be on a list. <laughs> being all, a letter writer, being some kind of agitator. Being some kind of uh, anachronistic Luddite no. who uses a pen. See, that's exactly what happened to Denise and Neil, an eighth grader at the Krista McAuliffe Middle School outside of Houston. She attempted to pay for her school lunch with a $2 bill. Oh, by the way, we haven't talked about how $2 bills, favorites of grandparents, 
the world over. Oh, yeah? Is that so, true? Yeah, they'll give, give you a $2 bill and your birthday card. You know, they, they, think, it's, they think it's cute. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, this was not cute because her grandmama gave her this $2 bill. Um, and her grandmother's name was Sharon K. Joseph. And the cafeteria workers at the school did not believe that it was real. They said they'd never seen $2 bills in their life. And she was sent to something called the police office. Because this uh, this particular school that sounds district sounds like something I'd make up in improv. I know, seriously, this particular school district um, in Houston or outside of Houston, Fort Bend Independent School District uh-huh. has its own police force. <laughs> That's like the, a step above the police store, the Fort Bend ISD. Um, and uh, apparently, the officer told her that she was going to be in big trouble for using this bill, which they believed to be counterfeit. Wow. So still a real stigma surrounding the two, the deuce. It is. The the Tom? The Tom, you're right. It is still in circulation. It is not illegal to use it. It's not counterfeit. And when you think about it, most counterfeiters who would be professional level counterfeiters are not going to mess with uh, a small denomination. They want 50s, 100s. Not only that, that. they're not going to mess with one that's going to cause so many people to make a face. Right. You want something that slides in unnoticed. There's something else I found that was pretty interesting. If you think people in the U.S. are obsessed with the $2 bill, then who boy, are you in for an adventure in Ecuador? According to author Nina Porzucki, who wrote, Why Are Ecuadorians Obsessed with the $2 Bill for PRI? In Ecuador, this bill is even more rare and people believe that it is good luck. It is some of the best good luck. It functions like a four-leaf clover. Ecuador's had the U.S. dollar as official currency since 2000, and the problem that they run into is a bank in Ecuador will order money from the Federal Reserve here in the States if they need five, tens, fifties, and $2 bills are not a priority, so they're even less frequently found there than they are here, and that feedback loop happens again. People save them because they think they're good luck. But we also have these sort of um, $2 bill freedom fighters, don't we? People like Heather McCabe, who runs a blog called Two Buckaroo. And her whole life's mission is to dump $2 bills back into circulation and see people's reactions when she tries to spend them. There's an article about uh, Ms. McCabe in the New York Times, um, and she was also in that documentary that we talked about. But this one is called $2 Bill is Oddity, But Some Love the Tender. Um, It it, it describes Heather McCabe as being on a one-woman mission to revitalize the quirky greenback through deliberate, casual use. Um, It also cites this guy, Matthew Zacklad, who pours apparently close to 7,000 notes into circulation each year. Um, And McCabe apparently has been turned away from businesses, told to pay with something else in different bars, and is constantly being asked by people that she encounters, can I buy this wallet full of $2 bills that you have? Because they still think that it's kooky and, and rare. And they have no idea that you can go down to the fun convention. Again, that's an acronym. And buy. Doesn't that sound amazing? The fun. I want to go to the fun convention. Mm -hmm. And buy a wallet made out of $2 bills. I think it was 40 bucks. Okay. Uh, But there are other neat facts that we discovered about the $2 bill. It's often used as a tracer by like mom and pop stores to track robberies. They keep the $2 bill at the bottom of the drawer, they write the serial number down somewhere else. And then they just wait. $2 bills used to be handed out at Monticello, former home of President Jefferson. That's right, because he got all the glory after they kicked Mm -hmm. old Hammy off. 
you have no control who lives, who dies, who tells your $2 story. Steve Wozniak buys $2 bills by the sheet from the Treasury Department and makes his own little coupon book, essentially, out wow. of them so he can rip them out. Really? Yeah, it's so weird. Is it just for grandpa purposes? Does he just want to be able to rip one out to give to his I don't grandkids? know. Maybe he hates leafing through things. That's very interesting. But, no, you know, I've got to tell you, I've, I, I had a bunch of stuff on other weird currency, but maybe we should save that for a different episode because this rabbit hole is going deep, deep, deep. A lot deeper than I thought it would, my friend. Yeah, a, a lot deeper than we thought it would. Uh, do you have a $2 bill at your home currently? I do not. I, I have one. Wait, no. No, that's not true. I have three. Oh. Yeah. You're flush. Well, I planted them. What? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I have three. I think they actually, now that I think about it, I think they did come from an older relative. But they're, um, I think they might be pre-76. I can't remember. But be that as it may, we'd like to hear your $2 bill stories because one thing McCabe did in her blog is she started asking people to tell her a story about the $2 bill. And she got some very interesting responses. It's a really cool blog. Uh, The one I'm looking at right now isn't a personal story as much as it is a news story. The headline is $2 bill leads to heroin bust in New Jersey. When a driver was pulled over for tossing a lit cigarette out a car window, the police officer reported seeing a rolled up $2 bill with white residue on it. The driver and passenger were asked to step out of the vehicle. Prior to doing so, the driver made an attempt to hide the bill, according to the police officer who later located the bill in a cigarette pack containing heroin. But what happened to the $2 bill? Dun dun. Yeah. Uh, So again, we want to hear your stories, your personal experiences, your memories. Did you grow up being told that a $2 bill was good luck or bad luck? If so, why? Do you think that the bill should continue? Because one thing I really... Oh, one thing I, I really wish we could have hit in this episode was the debate over whether or not to abolish the penny. I know you have very strong feelings about that, I largely do. because you probably don't like touching pennies. Right. Yeah. And we didn't even touch on the fact that Georgia Tech, our hometown nerd football team. Yeah. You ever, I, you ever wondered about that? I went there. You went there? Yeah. Well, you, you weren't on the football team, though. No, not that I recall. So do they just let people go there just to be on the football team? Or, or is the football team just like full of genius engineers and diplomats? Uh, from what I remember, they have a pretty high bar academically. Wow. Okay. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to be dismissive. I just don't understand how this stuff works. But yeah, they have a they have a rivalry with Clemson, um, and they actually refuse to play each other out of protest. And the alumni stamped two dollar bills with the Clemson tiger paws and used them around Atlanta uh, to illustrate the money that the tiger fans were spending at these events. <laughs> so once again. The $2 bill rears its uh, quirky head. And perhaps you can be part of a $2 bill protest movement in the future. Have you been part of one? Yeah, and if you're planning one, what are you protesting? We might just join you. Let us know. You can write to us directly. We are ridiculous at HowStuffWorks.com. As always, a massive thanks to Casey Pegram and Alex Williams, who composed our track. And not to mention A-plus, ace, number one researcher, Christopher Hasiotis, mm-hmm. for holding our hands down this uh, rabbit hole uh, deep dive. Mm-hmm. Shallow dive or medium dive? I thought it was a pretty good dive. You know, I, I rate us more on form, so I thought it was a good form. I, I made a tiny splash. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. How come the one does a cannonball at the Olympics? I always wondered that when I was a kid. But cannonballs aside, stay tuned for our next episode when we will ask, how related are 
U.S. presidents in terms of the familial relationship. Oh, I thought I was, I was going to say they're they're presidents. They're all presidents. They're all presidents. You, you know, you could try, but name one U.S. president who was not president. I, that's tough. <laughs> it's a tough one. Nigh impossible. But no, I see where you're going with this, Ben, and that does sound like a good time. So stay tuned. Write to us. We always love to hear from you. You can also join our community on Facebook. We are Ridiculous Historians. That's where you can see uh, Nolan, Casey, and I dropping by with the odd uh, childhood photo, maybe some karaoke clips, and most importantly, hearing your suggestions for future topics. That sounds good to me, my friend. Casey, can we go out on a cash register ring? This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.